Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Well, hello there, and welcome to, yeah, it's Frankie Sense and More today. How's it going? I have a wonderful guest with me today. Her name is Anne Papiotti, and she, with a co-author, fellow coach, Tracy McDonald, wrote The Gift of Shift, Discover the Key Within to Unlock Your Best Life. Anne is the co-founder of Skyview Coaching. She's an international life, leadership, and relationship coach, speaker, writer, educator, and co-author of, as we said, The Gift of Shift, an intimate self-help book. She's an expert contributor for Your Tango Media. She has been featured in MSN, Google, Yahoo, Apple News, and more. Anne has endured some of life's most brutal blows, and despite them all, she found the gift hidden within each of these experiences the gift of choice in how to respond to the challenge. Now that is coach behavior at its best. Anne also has her BA in journalism and communications. She's a certified professional coach, master energy leader practitioner, uh, neuro-linguistics NLP programming practitioner. And I mean, that's a whole mouthful right there. We are gonna talk about this and more shortly. But first, I just wanted to mention that Anne has a gift for you today, an amazing gift. It's called Isol CPR. And you can go to it at triple W, no, HTTPS, it's, uh, colon, dash, dash, skyviewcoaching.com slash soul hyphen CPR hyphen free hyphen gift. And I will put that in the chat room right now before I forget. And, you know, I just wanted to say, if you are someone who has suffered from a loss, you're stuck in your grief, if you feel like you've lost your identity in all of the roles that in relationships that you have, uh, if you've been hurt or betrayed or rejected, this is something for you. You know, and your book, The Gift of Shift, is about many things. And ultimately, it's about life-changing power of choice and the ease and the peace and the freedom that you get when you are given the power to choose in any circumstance. And I don't think things get, you know, much better than that. I agree. Absolutely. You know, I was, it was so interesting. Okay, it's in, this, it's in the chat room now, everybody. It's so interesting um, reading the book and seeing how many, how many similarities or sinks we, <laughs> we have in common. It's pretty scary, actually. Uh, it, but, but very, very interesting. And, and you are like a traditional true coach. And I really loved how you deep dive at the end of each chapter and you got to ask questions. And, you know, the reader got to ask questions of themselves. You didn't you know, they're not answering to you. And, and I had a similar experience in, in my coaching book where I wrote with another coach and we did the, you know, a similar thing at the end. And it just seemed like that's the only way you're going to change your behavior and recognize your behavior more than anything is, is to start to ask yourself the questions. That's right. It's all about self-reflection, isn't it, Frankie? And, and yes, when I started, when I learned about you and, and I was reading about you and, and listening to you, I was like, I, just can't wait to meet you. We do have so much in, in common. And I look forward to, to uh, more, more times with you where we can just get to know one another. One thing I know is we both have a love for Canada. I lived in Montreal for 14 That's years. That's right. Yeah. So, we'll talk about that sometime. Ça va bien? 
Yeah, I won't say a limite, but, but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll try that another time as well. But yes, I think the opportunity uh, that Tracy and I chose for our reader was by sharing our personal stories. So the Gift of Shift is a collection of short, personal, sometimes quite intimate personal stories, was to give the readers an opportunity to relate to the story because it's a common life theme. While their Mm -hmm. story would be different than ours, certainly, the theme would be uh, relevant to everyone's lives. Everybody's been through betrayal and loss and grief and having to find courage and, and, and cling to hope in some situation. Absolutely. But to, to get them to relate to, to our story, but then to ask them the question so they could dive deep into their own and either be reminded of a time where they had to tap into something deep within themselves to get through something and say, you know what, I did that. So how can I use that now in my life to get through whatever I'm faced or facing or challenged with now? Or to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm stuck in that. I'm stuck in something about that story in my life. So how can I use this reflection time to help me move through that and find, you know, a more powerful perspective? I like that, a more powerful perspective. And and it's all about perspective choices. You know, somebody said to me, I I can't choose. This morning, actually, I had a mentorship. It was a young girl. She goes, I don't, I can't choose between two things. And that takes me to the next point, because you talked about values and that's as a coach that's the first thing I go to is what do you value most people don't think about what they value I give them a list of like 300 words so bring it down to your you know top 20 top 10 top five and you'll always know what to choose when you're in alignment with your value and that's exactly you know what you have done and I almost erroneously put a, a, a fake title in in the show today and I went you know finding the silver lining it's not about finding a silver lining though the gift isn't a silver lining the gift is choice choosing to feel better. Which which choice is going to make you feel better about yourself and your life? And that's what you did every single time. Every single time. And I think that's, uh, again, what Tracy and I hope to do was to illustrate through our stories, how we went from that powerless, you know, negative catabolic kind of state that we were in that we all go to by default when we're in some stressful circumstance in life that we're all going to have, and we're going to keep having because that's the flow of life, but how we were able to, to choose to unlock that power. That's our power is choice as human beings. We have choice was to, to find that option, to be open to the possibility that there is another perspective, another perception, if we choose to see it. And so through the illustration of our stories and how we found that, and while everybody's on a different journey and it's all going to be different time, you know, a, a time, yeah. you'll say how long before, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how long it's going to be your journey, but it's when we're ready. And that's something Tracy and I say, when you're ready for change, mm-hmm. we'll choose it. And, and I know that, you know, this Frankie, it's like when the pain of the, of what you're in is greater greater than you know the pain of the the uncertainty of the unknown or the risk taking or the the courage that you'll have to 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 grab onto to move Mm -hmm. through but when you're ready to choose change the options there absolutely yeah it's 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 so powerful and another part of that that 
that choice is responsibility. Because, you know, I talked about that again this morning, you know, it, you have to, if you're, when you're responsible for your actions, when you take responsibility for how you're feeling, then you're, that's a superpower. Like nobody can take, can say anything against you. Nobody can take anything away from you. It's like, yep, I own that. It's mine. I'm, I'm choosing to do this now. And isn't that like the first level of positivity? <laughs> I find that taking responsibility and realizing that we can create our own outcomes. And when I say outcomes, I don't mean like, like, you know, one of my chapters is about the loss of my child. I don't mean that I could change that, but I could change how I experienced that. I could change how I, I could create meaning and purpose and find that if I took responsibility for that, finding that, you know, I want to talk about that. I mean, that has to be every, every, I know it's my nightmare that, you know, to Mm -hmm. lose a child, Mm -hmm. to think about losing a child. I can't even think about thinking about that. However, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I suffer that with you and you talked about that experience and how compassionless the medical community were with you at that particular hospital. And part of me wondered, and not to say anything, you know, part of me wondered if that was their defense mechanism, because they would have broken down had they been shown you that that compassion that you so desperately needed and wanted and deserved, deserved to have in that moment. As perspective, we get to see both sides. And let's talk about the choice that you made that made you feel better like that, that what happened, because I think everybody's, you know, mother is wanting to know, oh, well, how do you because everybody's got, why did God do this to me? Why my child was innocent, he shouldn't have to die. Like, I mean, all of those things, we they're just natural, natural thoughts. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's that you go from the helpless and hopeless and defeated and mindset. And I, what was it about me that I was not a good enough mom? My body wasn't strong enough to carry him to term that he was born prematurely that set him up for this circumstance to be at risk for his life. And, and then you go to anger, <laughs> you know, and then that's looking for someone to blame. Yep. And, and I went through all of that and I got stuck in that sort of infinity cycle of, of victim and conflict thinking and that that destructive energetic place that did no good for, for me, for him, for anyone. But yes, there was a, a, a terribly negative experience with, with much of the staff at the hospital he was transferred to. I'd had this beautiful experience at the hospital where he was born. Very nurturing, caring um, neurologists, uh, neonatologists, uh, nursing staff, and I felt loved and cared for and heard and seen, as did he, even though this baby that we all expect the Gerber baby, and I had this, this baby had no, no, no body fat, and I, just not what I expected, you know, he was born so early, and, but then when he was being transferred for, for surgery to the children's hospital, it was at a staff change time, and, and, and this particular nurse that was in charge of his care was, it was about her in that moment. And this is something I talk about in another chapter. Anything says, anything anyone says or does is about them. Yes. And she was, and I don't know her story. I don't know what she was dealing with at home. And I can see this now, but she was upset, but it was affecting my son. 
and it was affecting me because she was angry. She was poking him and she was da, 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 da. and I was like, stop, stop. <laughs> Can someone else with a loving hand and a graceful touch take over? Mm-hmm. I can't handle this. And, and from there, it was the surgeon who had to eventually tell me that my son was, was not going to make it, who was cold and matter of fact, and, 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 and quite short, but that was, there was a gift in that because what came to me was the, the opportunity. And this is what I, there was an opportunity rather than me be stuck in, in anger and blame and frustration. An opportunity came to me from one of the loving and caring uh, neonatologists who invited me to speak to a group of resident interns who to share my story. At the time, there was no, no teaching for bedside manner. And I don't know if there is now, but at the time there was not. Yeah. And, and we know the power of story as authors, right? And it was an opportunity for me to share his story in the hopes that they would carry it forward and use that to remind them of just the soft skills needed for the parents. They may have to do that. And, and exactly what you said, was this a defense mechanism? I knew that this surgeon may have to go say that to three more families that day and get up and do it again tomorrow. And so that is exactly what I said in in my speech that day, but to recognize that I didn't need him to hold my hand or Mm -hmm. give me more time. I just needed him to look me in the eye and, and use a compassionate tone in his voice. And that's what gave meaning and purpose to my son's life for the, the 60, 70, surgeons to be and, and pediatricians to be that sat in that room, if they could remember my son's story, and if that would just remind them to take a breath and to add a few softeners to how they approached families, then my son's life had meaning and purpose. And I left ecstatic and feeling, okay, this is why, this is why he came. He came to teach. And, um, and it, it allowed me to get out of that place I was in, to see the doctor, the nurse that I was angry with God, I'd had, I'd battled God, but I said, God had cried with me. God mm-hmm. saw his own son die, but for a purpose and a reason, right? And it was a total new perspective and allowed me to move forward. And you think, you know, you're going to children's hospital. Yes you know, a place of miracles or whatever, and you don't expect him maybe to live, but like you said, you expect compassion. You expect somebody who loves children to look after your child and, and, you know, wow, that, that had to be very, very, very tough. But yeah, I love how you turn that around. You turned it around and you gave him a story and, and his story is living on with those people. And they're probably telling other people that story and it's beautiful. It really is. Yeah. How many lives those 60, 70 have touched since in their practices. And that's how I choose to look at it. That's the choice, right? I get to choose to look at it that way. We get to choose what we believe. So why not believe what empowers us Mm -hmm. and gives us joy and, and happiness. And that's how I look at it. Just like I call it, that's the, the gift of Charlie Brown is the title of that. And it's like how Charlie Brown found the, that, little dilapidated Christmas tree, but he found the true meaning of Christmas and it wasn't about the tree. You know, (laughs) we always say, do you want a Charlie Brown tree this year? (laughs) 
<laughs> but you know, it was it was funny because we're this again this morning. I was talking to these young girls, and I said, "If you're going to keep coming to, with with the same grief over and over and over, it's like coming to me with a stone in your shoe and not taking it out. Why wouldn't you take it out? Why do you want to hurt so bad? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, really, let's okay. take out the stone and feel better." Because feeling better, nobody's my, feeling sorry for you not feeling good. Yeah, I know. It's like a, nobody cares. It's my scratchy <laughs> wool blanket, and it gives me a rash, but it's mine. <laughs> Even though I can tell you, there's this beautiful cotton velour, you know, velvet one over here that's soft and cuddly. But no, people people are scared of change. I find frankly so afraid of change. And you know what, Ian? I'm afraid not to have change. <laughs> <laughs> My book is all about change because a prescription for change because I think, oh, how could you not want change? Oh my gosh. How Mm. could you not want it? I crave it. Mm. But let's, I mean, and that's the beauty of the book too, is that you, the the, the both of you talked about your life, real life stories. These aren't made up stories. These aren't stories, you know, fictional stories. Well, you know, here's a, here's a case study. These are your real story. Tell us about the boyfriend story, the, your friend that stole your boyfriend. I mean, that is a classic. And in, in, in my book, you know, Noble Allowed, we wrote about song titles of relationships and song titles and, <laughs> and how song titles had, you know, beginnings and middles of ends of, sto- of stories of like that. And so, you know, my best friend's girl, you know, oh, yeah. you change the title, my best, you know, yeah. My, yeah, there you Sky, go. My best yeah. Sky. yeah. And, and I, I, I wasn't sure whether to even include this story. It seems so, so long ago, but actually one of the readers of, of my book gave it to, bought his sister a copy and one of the beautiful uh, feedbacks from, from our book and Tracy, I've had a lot of, of people reach out to us was that his sister, who's now in her fifties had some healing come from something that happened to her in high school. Wow. She'd never opened up to me one. She'd never gone to therapy, counseling, coaching, anything to deal with what she'd been through, but this helped her. So I'm like, yay, I'm glad I put it in. But, but it was really the start for me because I had a happy childhood. I'm not someone who experienced trauma in childhood. My traumas began in my adult world, in my young adult world, and then one thing because I lost who I was in this incident started that sort of chain of events. So it was important that I included it. So the betrayal was, you know, my best friend in university ended up, I I just started noticing these things start happening in our relationship. She wouldn't be there when I would go pick her up. We had plans and I was confused. I thought, well, I must've gotten it wrong, you know? And then she would affirm that we didn't have cell phones in the days. There was yes. no texting, but, you know, it was like, I got to pick up the rotary and check on. And it was just one thing after the other. And then I started just, it's, it's, things weren't making sense. And then she couldn't come back to school because of things. Her family didn't allow her to come back to school. She had struggled academically and people were telling me, you know, are you sure she's your friend, you know? She seems a little jealous. My mom was telling me, and I always defended, always defended. And looking back, I was a little naive. But uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, she talked me into, you know, that anything I would say about my boyfriend, she would, you need to break up with him. You need to break mm. up with him. But uh, always affirming anything that, that I felt 
and I did feel that he and I needed to break up and, and, but it was always with the hopes of getting back together. She knew my heart. She knew that he was the guy I thought I was going to marry, but ultimately there was just this taking everything I knew and using it against me. Yes. And, um, and she ended up with him and it was uh, very devastating because I lost the two people I was closest to. They were my two best friends and I lost them to one another. So this did it last? Fusion of like, oh, they're still together. Five kids. Really? <laughs> yeah. So you know, there's another perspective. It, it was meant to be. It was meant to be. It's just the way it happened. It wasn't on your timeline. It wasn't in your. It wasn't on choice. my time. And the way it happened was devastating and and cruel. Yes. In a way. Yeah. But here's the the thing for all of us who go through something like this, is that I made it about me. Here's the lesson. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about me. Whatever anyone says or does is about them. So whatever drove her, and, and I truly believe there were insecurities and fears. And, and I know now that, you know, there was a lot, you know, and I tried to help her, but that's me. I'm the rescuer, right? I'm the, yeah, me too. I was a lifeguard. I was a flight attendant. I was trained CPR for everything. You know, everything I was taught to save people. When she, you know, wasn't doing well in school, I was trying to do her papers for her. I tried to uh, prepare for her for interviews. I pretended to be her on an interview to help her get a job. I was too much, right? Yeah. We cripple people when we do that. But I was what I, that's what I was doing. And things weren't working out. And she out became you and took your boyfriend. <laughs> and so she became you there. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, so regardless Obviously, yes, it was meant to be there. They are who they are together, but it was, I made it about me and I held on to that pain rather than say being able to choose that perception. Well, I guess they were meant to be too soon for it that. It hurt though. how it happened. Yeah. It hurt the when we experience pain, we need to experience it. Yes. Hurt feel it, validate that hurt, that sucked, all of those things, right? The no bull stuff that hurt it sucked and grieve the loss of the two friends, the two people closest to me, grieve that loss. It was a devastating loss. And then, and then remember who we are and keep living. And I didn't do that. I kept living, but not truly living that experience over and over and over over and over and over and I started self-betraying what they had done was done and was already done and gone yeah what I was doing to myself was what continued so I call it the overs and the unders Frankie over drinking overeating underperforming at school you know all the things that I had was was which had been wasn't an overachiever necessarily, but I was a high achiever, high achiever. Yes. So I did everything less than I did. I lost again, lost who I was. So that was, that's on me. I think that I can look at it from the perspective of when you were in it, it was probably too soon to see they were meant for one another because it could have been short-term, long-term, you know, the benefit of hindsight is that you can see they've been long-term and yeah, it was probably meant to be yeah. in it, you know, going up against a value system would have been truth. Why couldn't they just come to me and tell me the truth? Yes. Yeah. Right? It would have hurt. 
might have hurt less though. Maybe we could have still been friends. You right. know, maybe. Right. Right. It, it, it's the way it, it happened. It's, and it, it's that secrecy and the hiding yeah. and the, that's what makes it all, you know, unpleasant, I think more so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. We have, we share something else. Abusive husbands. Mm. <laughs> Say goodbye. Oh, so Adios. Sorry. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. A while ago. And, yeah. uh, and that's something, you know, that was another reason that, that, you know, prompted me to write my book, um, was, was man, there's like so many guys out there. Why would you stay with one who abuses you? And I don't have a problem. You know, my dad, I had in some ways, you know, my, I'm a product of divorce, but my father was somebody who said, you want out, you pay the piper. And so he was generous to his ex-wives and I felt the same way. I felt like, you know what, I'll, I'll pay for all this stuff. Just go, just go please go. And when I got, when my second husband, I was in a hospital, I'd been in the hospital for six months and I was going through the divorce with him and he kept saying, no, no, no. And I'm like, you know, I'm busted up to the eyeballs and I'm just still going, go, I'm better off without you. You know, um, didn't want to leave, but he had to go. And uh, I, there's no point in hanging on to that. Like, why? I, I don't deserve that. You didn't deserve that. Nobody deserves that. And yeah. honestly, ladies, if you're listening and men, you know what? Yeah. There's a future after that for you way better yeah. than what you're, what you're living. There is. I think fear keeps us stuck for many. Again, fear change is yeah. a, a big one. So I'm glad you've, you've written a, about change and choosing change. Uh, for me, it goes back to that first betrayal. I had not, I, it looked like I'd healed myself. You know, I was living life. I was, you know, but a lot of us continue forward and hide behind masks of achievement yeah. and, and, and these seemingly successes, but we're not really healed. So I hate that line in the movie, you complete me because mm-hmm. it implies, you know, that I complete me. <laughs> but I had not completed me. I want someone to compliment me. And that's what I have in my current marriage. But at the time I was, there was still something missing because I had not fully healed. So what happened when I ran into, I was just started working for the airline. I'm flight 10. I'm going to travel and see the world. And I run into a guy at the grocery store. I've just moved to a new city. I'm in Atlanta and he knew me and the boyfriend and the really best friend from three years prior university days. And he's like, Hey, what's up? What are you doing here? And I'm thinking, what are you doing here? You know, it looks like we're in a whole different state and everything. And it was just a comfort thing. I'm thinking, who can I set him up with? I'm not thinking I'm interested ends up though. We do uh, start spending some time together but he says all of the things I needed to complete me, to fill yeah. me up. He was stupid. You know, she was that you were this, she was that you were, he says all these things that inflated that. How could he that leave flat, you know, her for you? Oh my God. Yeah, and, and that felt like what? It felt like love. Mm-hmm. Cause I hadn't self-loved. Yeah. <laughs> and so it felt like love and it filled up this hole inside me. And so I take responsibility going back to what you mentioned in the beginning for 
that I take responsibility for marrying the wrong person. I do not take responsibility for his actions and choices in the marriage that were abusive. Right. Okay. And that's, and that's how I see that. That's very important. Yes. Very important. And um, so I said, I do. Yeah. Let's just clarify that one more time because it's not your fault. If he hits you, it's not your fault. You know, if you didn't vacuum or pick up this little thing today, it's not your fault. Nobody ever has a right to beat you ever, ever. And and with words or or words or lay hands on you. And uh, mine was the majority emotionally abusive. But I remember when I went to my divorce attorney and he looked at me, he said, what else? And I went, well, well, he pulled my hair. Well, he held me and threatened to throw me down the stairs. Me too. Yeah. And then he's writing physical abuse. And I'm like, no, but I never, he goes, Anne, it's not always a black eye. And I remember thinking I was in such denial because I was so, had so much shame and humiliation that some, how did I end up in this? That's every place? smart woman's question, isn't it? How did I yes. end up in the here? And I'm too smart to tell everybody because how embarrassing is that? That exactly right. It's just, it's too embarrassing. And yet, you know, the people who were closest to me were seeing it. And my parents were saying, yes, you don't have to stay. Yes. You always have a home, but I'm like, mm, it's okay. It's just, he's just, you know, struggling. He's got a lot of stress right now. I, I was always defending just like I defended yeah. the best friend or I was defending um, the, the husband, but uh, yes, it was, I stayed way too long. I knew at three months I had made a mistake mm-hmm. and it started, you know, very subtly with him turning around from first idolizing me and it's classic narcissism. If anybody is in a relationship, look up narcissistic abuse syndrome. It's a real thing, it is and, why a real we, thing. and why we stay, but it starts with an idealism and then they, they start with the confusion and then the gaslighting and you start doubting yourself and, and, and then you yeah, you stay, you stay. you stay. But for me, there was that, that moment in time, there's always a crossroad in the moment in time where you're presented with an opportunity, just like the opportunity for me to speak, which changed my outlook about the loss of my son. There was an opportunity to change the situation, to make a choice. And while I'd never made it for myself, I made it for my, my, uh, my second son that was born and I, and I took it. And isn't that, that, I mean, that's classic too. you know, what we won't do for ourselves. We'll do for somebody else out of love. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I looked at my kids too. And I said, I gotta go. Mm -hmm. I'm hurting my children. We gotta go. That's it. And and I never looked back from that. I still struggled to break the cycle of narcissistic abuse syndrome. I still felt fear. I still felt um, control, but, and it was, it still took a few years to fully be out of that, but it was, I was out of the marriage. I knew I would not go back. And, and, uh, yeah. How did he try to come back many, many oh, times? Oh yeah. Because again, that's classic narcissism. Yeah. To then how could you leave me? Like, yeah, suddenly apologetic, suddenly, you know, there's gifts and this, this new courtship and this, all of this, but, but I was, there was no way. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Yay. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll clap for you too when you get out of your abusive marriage. Yes, we Just will. call us up. <laughs> we're not responsible for anyone else's healing or happiness. And yet you can be when you are someone who's a heart energy and you can feel that you are just like I felt I was responsible for my best friend at the time. And I tried to help her through everything and give her everything. Uh, I could not, you know, she was responsible for her own life and the same for my, my ex-husband. And we, we speak now where we can sit together at things and for our son, but I was not responsible. And yet I was made to feel responsible, you know, for his health, his happiness, his ability to be successful in life. And it was all on me. And if I left him, you know, they, and that's what some will do when you finally take a stand to leave. So, so know that you're not, you're responsible for yourself and to others. And that means to communicate, this is not okay. And, and, and help yourself <laughs> if that's yeah, the one, what is, whatever it is, whatever the message needs to be. Yeah. He wrote, um, when I started embracing and learning about my emotions, instead of trying to bury them in the back closet and hoping they didn't come tumbling out or pushing down or away, things started to shift for me. Instead of judging my emotions as right or wrong, I got curious about them. And I think a lot of people, um, they don't even know what they're feeling. I mean, I've had people go, I don't know. I don't feel. Yeah, you feel. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you yeah. might be numb right now, but you feel. But that, I mean, that those are really, really wise words. Yes. And Tracy actually wrote that chapter. Um, but, and, and she's, she's a great uh, scholar of emotions and I love to talk about them because, and the thing with uh, that Tracy and I were just talking about it this week, we have a private Facebook group for readers of the gift of shift. And each month we do a, um, uh, like a chapter discussion. And that was the discussion this week was about emotions. And Tracy talks about in life, she just thought emotions were automatic. She really didn't pay attention to them. And she certainly didn't talk about them. And that's just the way she grew up. And, uh, and I, I'm a little, I was a little different. My family wasn't really emoting or anything, but because of my life experiences, I think had so much more trauma in them starting in my uh, early life, I became very in touch with emotions. And because I've led support groups for 25 years and I'll, I've had to tell my stories for so long that I'm, I, I just, the, the power of emotions are so, such a part of my life. Even in writing the book, uh, Tracy and I realized that Tracy's very scholarly about talking about it. And I was very, <laughs> and then we had to coach one another. I had to get Tracy to, to oh, share more. Sorry. Yeah. No, this good. is International Women's Day. Break the bias. That's all oh, right. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm actually speaking in uh, or yeah. virtually in for Montreal about breaking the bias. So I didn't oh, even realize I was doing it. But yes. So so Tracy had to learn to sh open up more on the personal level, and mm -hmm. I had to get her to check me to make sure that I was actually teaching enough <laughs> without just blah, my emotions. But yes, emotions are interesting, aren't they? And they just drive, they can drive our life and dictate our life. And if we're not conscious about them, create chaos in our life. Absolutely. We can get them to work for us and not against us when we use awareness and then conscious choice. 
Yeah. In coaching, you know, we have what we call automatic, uh, underlying automatic commitment. And, and so when you're feeling something and you don't know what you're feeling, but you do something, there's an action to that. For me, it's going to go, go buy a chocolate bar. I'm upset. Automatic, yeah. underlying automatic, go do it. Why am I doing that? I didn't ask myself why I was doing it. I just do it, right? I'm upset. I go buy it. Now, today, I can say, why am I doing that? And you, yes. you will know why you're doing it. You were feeding an emotion. You don't yeah. want to feel that emotion. You want that emotion to go away. It doesn't feel good. Uh, I'm going to, you know, mommy gave me a sucker. I'm going to give myself one. Yeah. Avoiding emotions is huge, you know, and that's something, you know, in, in my coaching practice, often when someone's, I'm like, well, what is it that you're actually avoiding? If they can't figure out what it is, you know, we'll look at the behaviors and work backwards. Yes. They can't tell me, you know, from the front side and go that way, then we'll look at what they're doing. What are you feeling? I don't know. Okay. And then what are you thinking? Uh, That I wanted chocolate bar? Probably not. Okay. Well, what are you avoiding? Oh gosh, that discussion with my husband. Yeah. Or that, you know, I've just, I've been putting it off or whatever it is. All right. So you're avoiding conflict. So let's talk about your patterns in avoiding conflict and, and having chocolate instead. instead. I got to mention something. I'm being blown away right now. I'm seeing our show on Facebook and there's actually they're typing everything we're saying. I've never seen that before. This is like brand new. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Carry on with that. (laughs) I think that's so cool. Um, Let me see here. And you know, with your values that you came out with, I'm truth, education, spiritual, creative, excellent, integrity, authentic. And then you took those values and it's almost like you put them into an elevator speech, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a personal mission statement. Yeah. Like a personal (laughs) mission statement. I love that. And I really, I just feel so strongly that everybody should know their values. I I mean, it's just, to me, it's like one-on-one, you know, if you know that you're not going to get caught in all of these crazy experiences that you don't want. Yeah. Because you'll feel if you feel your emotion, you get in touch with your emotion, then you will feel that moment that you butt heads with it and go, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to go down the road of, oh, three months in, I did, oh yeah, this isn't working for me. <laughs> just, a, just a decision. Intuitive. We know, we know, we just don't want to, we don't want to say that we know because we want a different outcome. We're hoping for that different outcome. We're afraid to wait you know, for the right thing. And so we'll just take what's offered us. I know. I know. I, I was working with my support group recently and uh, my current support group, group for separation and divorce. And so we took on the mantra that if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. I love <laughs> that. Like, I'm going to use that for everything. If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And I said, okay, but how do you come up with your hell yes? You know, is it, some of you are, are already there. You're going to instinctively know. So if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Now let's figure that out. So taking them back to their values, I said, so what is it that rubbed against you for a moment that kept it from being a hell yes? So let's figure that out. What was it that rubbed against you? And it's because some of them are starting to date because some of them, it's been years. Others, 
about that. Others, it's about deciding to buy a car. Others, it's about, you know, whether to to uh, respond to a legal query or how to respond to a legal query, all these different things. I said, whatever decision or opportunity crosses your path, it has to be in alignment with your values. It makes it easy. It's just like you're saying, decisions, choices, opportunities, everything. The other thing I encourage people to do is just watch a movie. If you can't quite, if you're not sure about it, watch a movie, see what ruffles your feathers for a character. That's a good one. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if it's, if they're being disrespected and you're angry for them, then respect's a high value for you. If, you know, just pay attention to what, what gets you emotional or ruffles you or excites you or what have you, or makes you want to go in, just champion somebody. That's your value. So those types of things and start narrowing it down and I'm sure you do the same thing. And when you have so many to choose from, but I can't figure it out, then have them make a pillar. You know, what, what does integrity mean? Well, I don't have integrity unless I'm being respectful, honest, truthful, blah, blah, blah. And that allows me to then really, really, really hone in what the definition of integrity is. Yeah. So when an, when I an opportunity comes in front of me to make a decision or I do something maybe mindlessly, and then I check myself, something didn't feel good about it. I'm like, well, did I, did I have integrity with that? I'm like, oh, you know what? I wasn't fully honest because I said yes to something and I really don't have the time. I need to go correct that. I need to call her back or him back and say, I just need to talk to you about that. I committed to so-and-so and I'm, I feel like I'm a little overcommitted and that doesn't, I don't feel like integrity with that. Would you like to look at another date or would you like to ask someone else to take this? Whatever it is, yeah. we can, we're never stuck people. That's part of it. You know, you're never stuck. Always come back and honor yourself and who you are. That's brilliant. It's good. It's, it feels good. Freedom. And it's you feel freedom. such relief. It's freeing to be yourself. I love it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely love it. Don't forget to come in the chat room and I will put this up when I post a show uh, about the free soul CPR gift that Anne is offering you. Um, it's a mini course, mini, mini course or yeah. day or um, that, that, yeah, that, that free yourself, yeah. free yourself, free yourself, give it a little, revive it. You know, that's why I think about it. Remember I told you, I'd kind of say I was trained in CPR from the beginning. That's which- right swimming lifeguarding and then and then a flight attendant I was always trained to revive people so I'm like okay why not so it it really is oh that's what I wanted to talk to you about the reviving that you know you're I mean we are both givers and we can give and give and give um but we do need to receive and a lot of times givers it's very easy for us to give it's harder for us to receive however the well runs dry and unless you're getting a little bit back, I mean, it's like, you know, vampires are always after us, I think, for all the wonderful things that are inside us. But we really do need to receive things back. And I, I nothing, it came very, you know, came home over COVID over the past two years that, you know, I was depleted. I was giving, giving, giving people asking the same stuff over and over. And I went, where's mine? Where's mine? And, and it sounds selfish to say that, but it's not because you can only go so far and then somebody got to fill you up. Yeah. Yeah. 
So there's a couple parts to that for me. One is when we're givers and everybody that's listening or watching this at some point, when you're a giver, it's easy to then bottom out. And I say bottom out, we victim out because when it's not reciprocated, validated, you know, returned to us, Mm -hmm. sometimes we can say, why bother? Why try? Doesn't seem to, you know, matter anyway. We can get stuck in that and just that whole overwhelm place, you know, and that's when we are truly depending on other people to do it. So going back to that whole beginning of our conversation, we are responsible for filling ourselves back. Yep, that's and when true. We do that, when we do that, this is what I found when I do that, I find that I attract more from others. So when I say I have, I, I find my, it's like, you know, the smartphone, it's the battery's getting low. We're not going to wait and let it die. We're going to plug that sucker in. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we are not about to let that we value that. So when we will turn around and value ourselves on that same capacity, okay, I'm battery's running low. <laughs> I'm going to stop. And when we know what those things are in advance, I know what I need. I know I need to sometimes just go sit and get my face in the sun for 10 minutes. Sometimes that's all I need, or I need to, 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 you know, reschedule something, or I need to say, you know, I'm not cooking tonight. Yes. I said that this morning. I'm not cooking, okay, tonight. I'm not cooking tonight and I will, you know, Uber eat something in, or I, you know what, I need to just put my feet up and, and watch a good old fashioned movie, or I need to phone a friend and just, let's just talk about stuff. That's not on the news, there whatever it is. I know what you need, know what is, does recharge you. So you can go to it and use it. And that's when I find I get these little messages from the universe that support that. Like there'll be a text from a client that just, you know, says, thank you for today. And those little gratitudes and this and that, or I'll get a, I don't know, I'll meet somebody like you. Well, you know, that funny that you say that I, um, I have taken the last seven months off from doing my show and I've, I've been doing the show for over 12 years and my daughter was having a baby and I wanted, I knew I wanted to be there for her. It was her first and last I'm sure. And it, it was a miracle baby. Cause she was told she'd probably never get pregnant and she wasn't trying to get pregnant. She definitely wasn't trying to get pregnant, but it happened. And we're like, it's a miracle. So go with it. And I wanted to be there for her. And I was, and it was wonderful. And I had been feeling quite depleted and I got, I got, you know, the memo for for you and your show to come on the show. And I, I read your bio and stuff and I go, yeah, there's somebody who's authentic. I am going to talk to her because I get so pitched by so many people. And I go, I'm so tired of talking to people who aren't real, you know, of saying that I can do this and I can do that. And I know that they can't. And, and it's almost like, uh, I'll, I'll say to Missy or the thousands of Missy's that I know, like, okay, tell them to, to do it for me, tell them to do it for me. And if they do it for me, they can come on because Uh I don't want to mislead people. I don't want to, you know, maybe I'm getting jaded in my 12 years, but maybe it's just (laughs) my own experience and, and intuition that says, no, that's not true. You're just you know, fooling people. And you're saying the same stuff that I've already written about 10 years ago. 
it's just yeah. regurgitated in a new and a different way. So no, but then I, I thought, oh, she's, you know, International Coach Federation. Oh, she is accredited, just like me. You're a journalism major, just like me, right? Like all of the yeah. NLP, just like me. And like, there we go. Synergy is perfect. It's right. I know that you're authentic. I know that you're going to be giving out great information and your book is fantastic. And, you know, you're giving a gift. So there you go, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Frankie. Well, congratulations on the grandbaby. Thank you. And, and thank you so much. I'm glad that you she was number 10. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm craving that. I'm, I'm ready, for, but my boys aren't. So yeah, I have all boys but anyway. They're not ready. You know what? Like four years ago, nothing. It's so cute. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I kept saying, I'm never going to have a grandbaby. And then all of a sudden you're having grandbabies everywhere. <laughs> looking forward to that stage of life i really it'll happen it. to you it'll happen for you i'm sure my boy said yeah. they'll never be parents i'm never having a child no i don't want kids now i said maybe we'll have another one maybe we'll have another one <laughs> <laughs> i think that they find just especially because they had girls and girls and their daddies are so special that you know nothing beats that like they thought yeah. they wanted boys but no nothing's in your heart like a little girl oh uh, yeah i can see that yeah oh. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's really, really good. So life is good. Life is good. And so what did the seven choice. months do for you? What did the seven months? Um, I wanted, I was waiting to feel passion. I wanted to feel passion. I wanted to feel, go back. Mm-hmm. And part of, part of it, I think was COVID and a lot of people, I was just talking to Dr. Monty this morning, cause he's going to come back on in a couple of weeks. Uh, Cause he's a brain, he, he's a brain doctor. And we were talking about, everybody has a low level depression through COVID pretty much. Um, a lot of people were experiencing the same thing I was, which was, I don't care. Uh, you know, I don't really want to do anything. The more time I spend by myself, the more I want to be by myself, the less I do, the less I want to do like just all of that becomes habitual. Yeah. And, and I said to myself, okay, well, if you're not, and part of my age, you know, like, is this age? Is this hormones? Like what's happening here? So I'm going to be 65 in June. So I'm thinking, you know, what's happening? So I, I, uh, I said, if I'm not feeling the passion, I'm going to create the passion because I'm going to fake it. Like I said in my book, fake it till you make it. And because if once you start to do that, things are starting to happen. So I started to go back and do even this week, all the stuff I hadn't been doing. I'm an artist. So I started painting last night. You know, I started my show up again. I've, I've gotten a job, you know, mentoring these young women, young leaders, future leaders in India. Like all of this stuff is happening all at once. And it's great. And it's, it's motivating me. And where I was feeling, uh, or meh, now yeah. I'm feeling charged and creative again. And, and it feels really good. So just taking that step to say yes, when you feel like no, was a big step. And I mean, I know that I love talking to people. I know I love doing the show, you know, it's that I wasn't feeling it. Part of it was I was depleted, but part of it really was, you know, just feeling the stress and the angst and the worry about, you know, what was happening in the world and watching too much news, which, you know, I wasn't supposed to do. And um, (laughs) all of that stuff. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And being in taking on that energy too. And I think yeah. that's what I'm talking to a lot of people. It's in the news, of course, taking it all in, but it's just been, it's been so much 
and it's been for so long. It's been so much for so long. And then like, we're going to talk about this in a few weeks with Dr. Monty, but how even in your own family, you're, you know, your people are, are starting to separate into tribes and those tribes mm-hmm. are not thinking what you're thinking. And you love these people, but they're thinking the wrong thing, you know, from <laughs> each perspective, right? Yes, and yes. so how do you care? How do you continue to love and, 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 but stand at absolutely opposite ends of the spectrum? And, okay. and so that's a really important conversation, I think, that we're going to have. It sounds like it will be amazing. Yes. I mean, but it's hard for people, especially because it's not just like, like he, he said, you know, there were people who used to be middle of the road. Those people aren't, there's no middle of the road anymore. You have to take a side, you have to take a stand. And, and so that's very difficult, I think, in today's climate to do. You think one thing or you think the other guy, there's kind of like, well, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And you, know, you can't, at this point also, I'm finding we just can't, you can't talk people into positivity. You just can't. Uh, However, the whole premise of positive psychology is not to deny that the bad exists, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's saying, okay, I've got it. I acknowledge it. I'm going to acknowledge this is what it is. And this is how I feel about it. Right. However, there's a positive too. And and, I'm choosing to, and I'm going to choose going back to our discussion on choice. I'm going to choose to at least focus on the positive. And it's like the, you know, every rose has a thorn, right? So I can choose, am I going to focus on the thorny stem? Are I going to focus on the, on the beautiful blossom at the top? And I get to both can be within my gaze. Where am I going to focus my line of sight? And that's how we can keep our, our, our brain, you know, trying to, really, you know, link those neurons to that. And exactly. You know, my husband always accused me of living in a world of fairy tales and unicorns and magic pixie dust. And I go, yeah, but that's what I want to live in. And he goes, yeah, but that's not the real world. I go, but it's my real world. I expect that when I go out into the world, I expect people to be nice. I expect them to, you know, be kind. I expect them to be generous. I expect all of those things. And he goes, yeah, but they're not. I go, but they are with me. Why? Because I expect that. Yeah, I, I that's my choice. Yeah, You're gonna be nice to me. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the world I want to live in. So, and that's the world I do live in, and that's my choice. So, there we go. Well, there you go. It's the world we create, right? It is. I've been here with Ann Papiotti. Her book is The Gift of Shift discover the key within to unlock your best life. And you are definitely living your best life. And, and I thank you so much for coming on the show today and everybody do not forget. And I will post it. I promise to go and get your free soul CPR because you're going to need it. We all need it right now. A little bit of extra, extra. Oomph. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm going to stop Facebook. Goodbye. We'll see you next week. And I'm going to stop our recording right now.